Missions is my life. It's my heart. It's my blood. Uh, we have, uh, my, my wife and I have been in the missions since about 2005, I believe it is, when we first uh, started off. But uh, you've, just, you've just witnessed, you know, I, I taught every one of those girls all those moves, and you know that, right? <laughs> I taught them how to do that juking and jiving stuff. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but it is a great honor. I tell you, I, as close as I've ever been to heaven was last night about 1130, you know, at my house, just listening to these girls sing a cappella, you know, in my living room, just, just practicing all the way back from the airport last night. Uh, just, uh, it, it's just, these are the kids that we have been pouring into for so many years and that you have been giving to pour, for us to be able to pour into their lives. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I've got a few minutes to tell, go a long ways this morning, so I'm going to talk fast. Of course, nobody's ever accused me of talking too fast, but uh, I'm going to do my best. Matthew, my, our sermon this morning is Never Stop Believing. Oh, yeah. Never stop believing. Matthew 4, 18. Pastor Philippi told it. What's it say? Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting nets in for the sea. For they were fishermen. That's what they did. Then he said to them, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And you know the, you know the, next, you know the next verse. And uh, they immediately left everything that they had, and they went and followed him. I want to ask you this morning, how in the world does that happen? I mean, how in the world do you just leave everything? I mean, generally, if you're going to go on a mission field, you got the, one of the very first things you're going to do, you're going to go through an interview board, okay? You're going to sit down with a bunch of grumpy-looking guys at a desk, and they're going to want to know what makes you think you can go off to some foreign country and, and share the, uh, the uh, love of Christ with somebody else. I mean, these guys, they didn't go to the inter- interview. They didn't even do consultations with their friends and family and listen to them uh, give their two cents about what they're about to do. They, and, and they didn't even do the, the pat, uh, the, the, the one response that I love more than any of them. Let me pray about it. Let me pray about it, Jesus, and see if it's your will for me to do your work that you're asking me to do. That's my favorite. No, no, it wasn't none of that. It was hypnotism. They just throwed their hands up and got little circles in their eyes and said, yes, Lord, I will follow you wherever you're wanting to go. This ain't like they was, they was saying, hey, follow me down here to Doubles for the best hamburger you've ever had in your life, right? No, that's not what they said. He said, it wasn't like follow me around the corner. I want to show you something beautiful. It wasn't even that. It was pack your bags and, and load your camels because we're heading off to parts unknown to spread the gospel, my gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why is it that we put so much emphasis on missions? Because I, I'm going to tell you something. I've heard a lot of people tell me, Nathan, I'm not, I refuse to board an airplane to fly over my community to reach another community. And I say, that's okay. That's cool. You, can, you have the right to think anything you want to think, even if it's wrong. Jesus never said anything about it's us for no more, right? So what did he say? This is what missions hang their hat on, okay? Matthew 28, 16. Pastor Philip already gave it away, but we're going to go to it anyway. 
<clears throat> then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountains which Jesus had appointed to them. And when they saw them, they worshipped them, but some doubted. I got the wrong verse up there. Let's see here. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Let's keep going to 19. Okay. Go, therefore, and make disciples and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, that's why people don't want to get on the airplanes. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Amen. One of my favorite ones is this. Uh, no, first off, what, what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us right now, really? Really and truly. Going to all the world, baptizing them, teaching them to be disciples, and to follow all my commandments. Because I have a lot of people that believe it means something like this. Uh, you know, hey, Jesus told them, hey, hey fellas, gather around. Hey, Peter, uh, while you're fishing... If the subject comes up, you might want to mention me. You know, just, just mention me. Or if you're too embarrassed to mention my name, just wear one of those nice colorful T-shirts that might mention me. Right? Is that what, it, is that what he I know that's sarcasm. But, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was commissioning them. Jesus was dispatching them into all of the world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite verses is this. It's the Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And you all know it. The year King Uzziah died and saw that the Lord was sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train and his robe filled the temple. Listen, when I read the Bible, I don't read the Bible like a history book. I read the Bible like God is writing that to me. And I tell you, I take it to heart. I mean, I, I feel like God is actually speaking to me. And above it stood seraphims. Each one had six wings, and two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and two they flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The, the whole earth is full of his glory. And go on. And the, post, and the post of the doors were shaken by the voice who cried out. I mean, it was shaken, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me. I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this, is, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity has been taken away, and your sins purged. Also, I have heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, and this is what I caught myself saying, Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord. Oh, my goodness. I've never been good at telling anybody no in my life. And I wasn't about to start with God Almighty. Amen. So how do we keep the main thing the main thing? In Mark 12, chapter 12, 30, it says, Lord, the, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And let me tell you something, folks. If we could stop right there, I would pull a Stevie Wonder on him. Mm. You and me, Lord. You and me. You're loving me. I'm loving you. We're a big, happy family. And, and things would be great if we could stop it right there. But he throwed that verse 31 on us. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Lord, come on. Do you know who my neighbor is? He doesn't, they don't even speak English good. And, it, and when they cook out, it doesn't smell anything like my Memphis barbecue. I mean, you ought to smell that stuff. I, I know, Lord, I will throw in a tithe if you won't have to make me love my neighbor. And I show up for church every Sunday. But not love my neighbor as myself? How does that happen? Oh, my goodness. Love my neighbor as myself. Well, today I have an announcement to make. There's nobody in the world that wants you to be more successful in your communities today than missionaries. Did you know that? They pray for you each and every day. But they also pray that you have a heart to seek the souls of of the lost souls of this world, that they may be saved also. Because let me tell you something, true charity and true uh, the, 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 the thing in your heart that, that compels you to give, generosity, it can't be commanded of you. Pastor Jason can't sit up here and crack a whip on you and it's going to make your hearts open up and want to be able to give to reach the beautiful kids like you've seen up here today. It's not going to happen. It's a heart condition. Luke 8, 1 through 3 says this. It says, now it came to pass. It is so quick, I was waiting for it to change. It's already there. <laughs> now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city, every city and village. You know what these kids have been doing for the last three weeks? They've been sleeping on floors and pews and churches in little villages all over Belize. These little kids, for the last three weeks, doing vacation Bible schools for other villages, okay? It's not like they've cornered the market on finances or anything like that, Okay? But they went through the villages preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with them. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others. Many others who provided for their substance. You know who was providing for Jesus' substance? It was the ladies. It was the ladies. I wonder how many men would, would come up here and pull their britches up and tell me about how, how successful they are in their business today. Little do they know their wives giving away half of their money to the church and to the missions. And just like I found out my wife was doing. She set me straight. She, she taught me a great lesson, though. How do, we make, how do we keep the main thing the main thing, though? Let me, t- let me just tell you, I got, I got three quick points. I was, I was just going to, I just want to bring an encouragement to you. And, and, you know, people was asking me, well, Nathan, are you going to have points? I'm like, you know, if you don't have points, it's pointless to speak. So I'm going to throw some points in there. <laughs> Not as many as Jason. But, uh, no. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to throw some points in there. Point number one is this. And I did have another scripture back there. It was Philippians 2, 2 through 4, but we're not going to go there. We're going to go to point number one. Point number one is this. Your commitment to serve or to give, if you commit to serve or to give, I promise you this, will be tested. Amen? I want to tell you, I want to, uh, tell you a quick story. When I first got back home, I'd been in the Army for a long time, for quite a while, got home, started working in the church a little bit, just started attending church. Wasn't doing anything, Okay. And I was standing in, uh, standing with some other guys. They were talking about, one of them was talking about, hey, man, I'm going to go get my CDL license. I'm going to start driving the bus to church 
every Wednesday night. I'm like, really? Wait, how come? He said, because Sharon Jackson has all of these kids, man, that, that are just sitting out there wanting to come to church, but nobody's picking them up. So she got a bus, and I'm going to get my CDL license and drive. And he said, hey, you want to do it too? And I'm like, do they need somebody else? He said, yeah, there's three. All you got to do is do one time a month. That's it, Nathan, one time a month drive. There's three of us that's going to be doing the other months, the other weeks. I said, you know what? And it just clicked in my heart. I'm like, I can do that. I can get seated. I, I drive five tons and track vehicles and all that kind of junk in the Army. I can drive a school bus. So I went and got my CDL license with them. And uh, the first week, one guy drove. The second week, another guy drove. The third week, the guy that I was talking to, he called me on the phone. He said, Nathan, I can't drive this week. Will you cover for me this week? I'll cover for you next week. I said, bet it up. That's fine, man. I'll go get the bus and I'll go do it. So I drove my first week, had the time of my life picking up all these kids off the side of the road. And then the, net, the last week when he was supposed to drive for me, he called me up and he said, Nathan, I can't drive this week. I'm like, dude, what's the matter? I had to cover for you last week. He said, I can't drive this week, man. I can't drive. So I, I got on the phone. I called Sharon. I said, Sharon, I said, can you get one of those other guys to cover? Because, you know, I, got, I had a muffler, muffler break shop, and I was a little busy. And uh, she was like, uh, Nathan, they're not, they can't, they don't quit. I'm like, what do you mean they don't quit? She said, they only drove once. Two of them, and one of them didn't even drive it the first time. She said, Nathan, they all quit. I said, so who's going to drive the rest of the time? It's either going to be you, Nathan, or it's going to be nobody. I'm like, snap. I don't, how did I get stuck into this all by myself? That's what happens. And so I go to close my doors, you know. And, and all day long, I've been sitting there doing nothing like the Maytag repairman, okay? Doing nothing, waiting on a customer to come in. And about the time I go to close my doors, it looked like a funeral procession pulling in. Now, to somebody in business for themselves. Ching, ching, that's money in the bank, right? You want to do that. You got to do it. You got to do it when you can get it, right? And so the guys are getting out saying, hey, man, I'm like closing my doors. Hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we're closing, we're closing. What's, what's up? It's, you don't, it's only 4.15. You don't close till 5 o'clock. I'm like, dude, I, I, I'm, I know I'm sorry, but I got something I got to do today. I got to close up. Well, forget you then. I bet AAA uh, mufflers down the street will be open, and they'll do my, and I'm like, oh, please, please, come back tomorrow, man. Come back tomorrow. That, no, you're going to fix my car today or I'm going someplace else. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, and all these people are looking at me, you know, and they got the one mean guy up front speaking for all of them. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I know your time is very valuable. I will write a, I'll give you a car 25% off if you'll bring us back tomorrow. I said, just please, I, I've got something I've got to do today. And the guy said, I'll think about it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they all get in a car and they drive off. And it's like, and I had to make a sit decision, church, right then and right there. Because you know what? The minute that I say I'm going to do something for the church, the devil is going to attack me. And he's going to attack you. Let me tell you something. We need, and, and I give it to Pastor John. Pastor John has got one of the, the strongest volunteer forces I've ever seen in a church. But you know what? As strong as that is, we still need other people doing things. We got... To, Hey, this is a big machine, and if you want to keep the wheels of this church rolling, we got to step up to the plate, church, and do some work. Yeah. All of us, pitch in just a little bit, and you won't have to drive every, every week, okay? <laughs> hey, John, I think I got him. No promise. 
It doesn't matter. If you, if you commit today to start tithing, I, I know what's going to happen. I'm sorry. Your washing machine is going to break tomorrow. I, your air is going to go out. I'm telling you, I, I wish it weren't so, but that's just the way it is. You're going to be tested. But this is the deal, church. If you don't pass your test the first time, you're going to have to take it again and again and again. So go on, and if you commit to give, to serve, to function in this body of Christ, go ahead and make it and make it well in your heart. That's just what you're going to do. You're going to get up and come out here to work on the, on the parking lot, and I know what's going to happen. Kids are going to throw up. <laughs> or, or you're going to get something from the night before in the belly and say, I got to have close to the restroom, something. I know that's the way it's going to happen. So let me talk about being missions, going in the mission field real quick, okay? I was 40 years old when I got the call. And I would just as soon tell you about the little Martian man that landed in my backyard and took me up for a spin in the, in the spaceship as to tell you about how God come into my life and spoke to me because you'd probably believe the Martian a little bit better. <laughs> but I got the call. Four years of college. And, I, and the first thing that I said, I said, oh, my goodness, I got to go take English. I can't, take, I can't pass English in college. I mean, this is how I talked after I got four years of education. <laughs> You should have heard the way I used to speak. We would have had to have an interpreter up here. Four years of college, a year and a half of applying, applying for in, going through all these interviews, psychological profiles. They know you're crazy if you're going to do something like this. Physical testing similar to that of astronauts to include probing. And then you get the okay. This means you get to start speaking in about 200 to 300 churches. I mean, two to three, all over the country, you know. I, I, had to, I had to go from, I went all over the state of Tennessee first. Then I went all the way up to Pennsylvania, down through, all through Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, all the way out to West, uh, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa, I mean, any, if a pastor said, I will meet with you for three minutes in between floor number one and floor number five, I'm on there, okay? I'm on the elevator with him, telling him who I am and where I'm going. Because every little connection that you make with somebody might be a support, okay? And that's what we have to do. Most churches give about $25 a month, okay? And if you got about $6,000 a month to raise, that's a bunch of churches, because you got to go through all the no's through that too, right? But you can't despise the process because it's the process that prepares you for life's challenges, okay? Hear me. Hear me. I wanted to curse the process. I, I wanted to punch a pastor in the throat when he told me, oh, I can't support you, but it don't matter, Nathan. If this guy's will, you're going to make it to Belize anyway. So don't worry about it. I like, mm. oh. For your, for your home openers groups, this is what I want you to talk about and discuss this week. Where does the sovereignty of God stop and the responsibility of man starts? Because way too often we say, ah, if it's God's will, it's cool. Everything's going to happen right anyway. Are we all on God's A plan right now? I mean, is everything that we do on God's A plan? I don't think it is. But y'all are probably better theologians than me. Y'all figure it out. Come tell me. Okay? 
Let me tell you about Belize, though, the greatest place in all the world. We had 65 churches there. It took me five minutes to get to church this morning. I could roll out of bed, wipe the sleep out of my eyes, and be in church in five minutes. In Belize, I had to get in my four-wheel drive vehicle and head out to the jungles, the parts unknown, or get on a boat that take me maybe 30 miles out to one of the little villages out there in the middle of the ocean, get on a little puddle jumper airplane and land someplace in the middle of parts unknown because there's about six, we had about 65 churches there. And out of 300,000 people, that's all there's in Belize, in the entire country, there were seven different languages. Seven languages spoken out of 300,000 people. And with all those languages, is different cultures. So when I was going to church, I never knew what I was supposed to do or how I was supposed to act because of all the different cultures. But let me tell you about some of our duties. I was a national children's leader. I was a national youth leader for English and Spanish. I was a national pastor's kids uh, leader. We had a minister to the pastor's kids. Castile de Rey leader. Uh, I taught courses in the Bible school. <laughs> Payback's a blessing, right? <laughs> I do that Pastor Jason thing. I know where y'all's minds were. Hey, when I was in, when I, first day of English in college, you know what the teacher said to me? If you don't like the way we teach English here, you will the next time you take it. <laughs> she was right. I agreed 100% the next time. We preached in churches, baptized in lakes, had Bible studies in our house. My wife cooked more than Betty Crocker and Rachel Ray put together. It was all about the food. We had a national, I had a national Royal Ranger program that was a mentoring program for young boys, okay? You know what I found out about young boys? They're great imitators. You know, you can get up there and talk, and they're like, they will imitate you to the T, right? But you know what, men? It's time for us to start giving them something great to imitate. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to tell you, we're going to launch a program right here at this church real soon, within the next month or so. You'll be hearing about it. But we're going to be doing a young boys, a, a mentoring program, okay? I'm still trying to come up with a name. <laughs> but uh, really looking forward to that. And from almost the time that we got the pick stock, I mean, into, into police, we started working with these kids that you saw up there. Somebody said, Nathan, you want to go, you're gonna, uh, you want to work with kids, you need to go to the jungle. I'm like, I'm all for it, man. Nine years in the Army, three in the jungles of Belize. I was JOTC trained, Jungle Operation Training Center. Center, Man, I was jungle expert trained. They was like, hold on, Jungle Jim, put your machete away. I ain't talking about the jungles. This is inner city kids. I'm like, I got that too. I'm from Memphis. I'm down for whatever. But from the time, the first time I heard Pastor Philippi just pray over these kids, the things that she prayed for them, it blew me out of water. And Barbara and I both looked at each other and said, as long as we have breath in our lungs from this day forward, we'll be here on every Sunday. Point number two, I'm running out of time. <laughs> Your commitment to love will be tested. Okay. Your commitment to love will be tested. I want to tell you something. We used to have to haul all of our gear to church every Sunday. We got to church one day, got it all out. We were all setting up. And I go, and I left my church key at home. So I go back home to get it. When I get back, all the kids are being real quiet. Nobody's running around slapping each other. This is not the pick stock, okay? They fight coming and going. you loud, screaming, everything. And my wife is very calm and, you know, just like, 
chilled out. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And she said, open the church, get the kids in, I got to talk to you. And we go through this long deal. And Barbara says, Nathan, you remember when you was in college and you had to take all those tests? She said, right now, we're going through a test. I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? She said, no, Nathan, right now, you're going through a test, and I want you to pass it because I don't want to have to go through it again. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about, woman? I ain't done nothing. I just come up here and open the church. I'm sorry. I just I talked to her like that. I won't tell you what she says back to me. She doesn't go as easy on me. So I'm like, what's up, baby? Come on. And she said, one of these kids, in fact, well, I can't tell you that. One of these kids, they got, they had one, a big boy was picking on a little guy, and they started to get into it, and the, my wife just covered the little boy, and the big guy just beat the tar out of her. And she had a hematoma on her, I don't know how to say that, a blood thing, about the size of a ping pong ball on her arm. She thought her arm was broke, and the boy just beat her to a pulp. She was black and blue up and down both sides. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a good southern man. I take great pride in defending the, my wife's honor. And, oh, it was the test of my lifetime. And my wife, with tears in her eyes, just kept saying, Nathan, please don't fail this test. Don't fail this test. I know, I know what you want to do. Don't fail this test. I don't want to have to go through this again. And, church, I walked in there. I forgave that young boy. We walked in there hand in hand. And from that day forward, we was them. We was in. Okay? It, it settled it. It was a big test. I had, to, I had to say I'm going to love these kids regardless of what happens. And I want to tell you this, the last point. See, I, I, got, I had a, went a long ways to get to this point. <laughs> your, your trust in God's finances, and I, and I know it seems like we hark on this every, every week, but I know, I know they're going to be tested if you, if you commit to give. But that's what, that's what makes all of this happen. If we just all give just a little bit, that's what makes it happen. And, uh, and I, I'll tell you, there was a little girl. We was going to give out candy one day. I gave this little girl some candy. She wasn't going to pass it. I said, you got to pass it. I got 10 pounds of candy here. She won't pass it. I said, if you will pass it, I promise you I'll give you some more. And after she cried, and I'm like, oh, Lord, killing the girl, little girl. She, she, she took the thing, and she slammed the candy in the girl's lap, did like this. Because she knew she wasn't going to get any more. I said, I told you. I promised you I was going to give you some more. I gave her some more candy. Then she wasn't going to give that. I said, you just gave, and I gave you some more. Do it. After a few minutes, she finally gave the candy. And you know what? Everybody in the church got candy that morning. But it went through her hands. And I'm not going to tell you her name. But she was going like this. Giving it just like this. And I'm telling you, that little girl had the time of her life because everybody in that church that morning got candy from her. Or at least that's what she thought. I'm like, you didn't give it to her. I gave it to you. God said, you didn't give it to her. I gave it to her. It was a big lesson for me and her to learn that morning because I had been stingy also. We, I tell you, we fed these kids. We used all of our money up feeding them, okay? And I got very convicted of it. And God said, I was telling a friend, he said, I'm going to send you $2,500. Don't you ever, ever stop feeding those kids. You feed them every time you get with them. When this money runs out, I'll send you some more. Because you're going to fill their bellies up if you want to reach them. And this little girl, her and I learned a valuable lesson. 
Something that the rich young ruler didn't even learn. That we're going to be a river of blessing in our life. That's what God wants you to be today. He wants you to be a river of blessing. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want these blessings to stop with you. He wants you to be able to pass that river out. It's like my drill sergeant used to say when I was in the army. They said, pond water doesn't move. It just sits there and stagnates. Now, he was talking about us moving too slow. But that's the way our blessings are. That's what God has done through us. We're just a funnel. It's not, I don't talk about how, what all I've done and can do. It ain't about me. It's about what God can do through me. That's when the blessings really abound. Close your eyes and bow your head with me real quick. I'm going to end with this. I was, I was, I was listening to a guy talk the other day about, about sitting in darkness, sitting in a dark room and cursing the dark. It's like, I curse this darkness that I'm living in. And he said, you know what? All you have to do is light a candle. And all of a sudden, that darkness is chased out of there. It doesn't matter how dark that room is. It doesn't matter how dark a cloud is or your life is. Church, if you allow the light of God to come into your life, it instantly, it instantly, darkness has to flee. That's what I'd like to invite you to do this morning. If you're sitting in a dark room, you know what, and you open the door into a lit room, what's going to happen? The light from that lit room will attack the darkness in the room that you're in and that darkness has the fleet. It doesn't matter how dark it is. Dark has no power over the lattice flicker of a candle. That's what, that's what we went to Belize to tell and that's what Belizean kids have come here today to tell you. Now, if there's somebody in here right now that has darkness in your life and you say, oh my goodness, I'd like to have some of that light. I would like to live that adventure. I, I'm not going to tell you what the guy told me when I gave my heart to God. He said, Nathan, you can sit in a rocking chair for the rest of your life and go to heaven. I said, I don't want to sit in a rocking chair. I want to sling. I want to take on a giant. I want to do something. I don't want to sit on a bench. Church, it's no fun sitting on a bench of life. God wants you to participate. He's like, come on, man. I picked you on my team not to sit on a bench to participate. If that's you today, raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you. Anybody in here? Thank you. I see your hand. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else says, hey, I want to get in the team. I want to get on the, I want to be on the team and in the game. Anybody else? That, that's your heart is touched. You want light in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for, the, for this hand, for this person, for the soul, Lord God. Lord, come into our life. Challenge us, Lord God to when we serve, Lord God, to be able to fulfill our commitments. And when I know that our love is tested, Lord God, that you will be there right there with us, Lord God, loving us all the way through. Fill us now, Lord God, with your, with your blessings. And I thank each and every person in here today, Lord God. I thank you that, that has allowed their lives to be a river of blessings for all of these kids from Belize that's come here today. I want to give you, Jesus, the glory and the honor. We love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you.